Thanks, Pastor Beck and Nate, for having me here. It's such a privilege to be with you all. And what a great event to be having where we can talk about um, women in leadership, women in ministry. And I guess I just want to share quickly some of my story. And I was so resonating with Cassie about the imposter syndrome and, and really like, gosh, God, have you called me? What am I supposed to be doing here? So how my journey started out, just briefly, was... I, this is how I tell my story. Is I was minding my own business, raising my children. When Pastor Jared came, uh, that's my senior pastor at Global Heart Church, and he said, will you come and run the Bible college? And I said, what? I said, I left school at year 10. I haven't been to Bible college. How can I possibly do this? But yet I felt this tug in my heart that, yes, perhaps this was something I was supposed to do. So I decided, um, okay, I'll just step into it scared. And um, I kept thinking, oh, it's all right, Pastor Jared, somebody else will come soon, a male will come, because I'd never seen a female in ministry that wasn't either married to a pastor. Yeah, I just hadn't seen anyone, other than perhaps the Donna Crouches or the Christine Canes that were afar off. So in my world, I'd never seen it. So for me, I kept thinking, well, somebody else is coming, this imposter syndrome. It can't possibly be me. It must be somebody else. So anyway, about two years in, I suddenly realized that guy is not coming. <laughs> so perhaps it's me. So I went, right, okay, then, God, I'm going to take serious what you've placed on my life. I felt this call. I could actually even remember when God said, would you follow me? Would you do what I've asked you to do? I was 14. And I remember of a quiet moment where I said, I just want to serve you, God. So I knew God was calling me, but yet my, I didn't have any role models. I didn't have anybody to show me that it could be done. So I just stepped out and went, okay, then, well, I have to forge this out myself and have to work it out myself what this can look like. So, you know, being in ministry for me, I've been in ministry for over 15 years now, 16 or 17, actually, I think I've lost count. Um, a pastor in a church, leading the Bible college and now running the State Bible College. And so for me, and I'm still the only girl, um, when I meet in our, you know, our state leaders' meetings, I'm the only girl. Um, when we meet up the boardroom at the Global Heart Church, I'm the only girl. You know, but you know what? I think that needs to change. That needs to change. And I want to tell you why that needs to change. I want to share some scriptures, scriptures, scriptures with you. With you. Too. So I don't want you guys to switch off. And I just want to thank, you know, I've got my husband here and I've got two amazing, um, I've got three children, but two amazing boys. And, you know, John has been a big part to me to rising up because when I was going, doing the girly thing and going, oh, I can't do this or I'm not, you know, I shouldn't be doing it. John would look at me and go, have you finished? <laughs> and then he would say, just get on with it. Get on with it. Back you go. Out you go. Go do what God has called you to do. He never allowed me to not do what God had called me to do. And so, you know, I just want to encourage you guys that you need to empower the women. You need to encourage them. And as you do that, I want to show you through the Word of God 
what God will do and how it can be incredible. So if it's okay, I'm going to share some scriptures because <laughs> I love the word of God. So in Genesis 1, 27 to 28, it's going to come up on the screen. You can read it here. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all he'd made and he saw that it was very good. So God is talking about humankind here. Every human is made in the image of God. He gives both male and females the same identity, the same responsibilities by entrusting his creation to them both. God has given both male and female the responsibility. So we must interpret the rest of Scripture in light of this. You know that all Scripture, so when we first see how God first intended it, we're supposed to read it in light of that. So our calling, we are all called to be image bearers of God. And we are to view ourselves that way. And hopefully others will view us that way as well. And I loved what Cassie said is that you know, if we are created in his image, we should have a healthy self-image and we should know who we are. So God, God had this vision that male and female would govern the earth, would lead and would lead together, but we can see that that didn't happen. And so Ben Witherington, he's a New Testament scholar, he says this, he says, the author of Genesis tells us that, that the effects of the fall is patriarchy, it was not God's original design. It was not his created order. But yet we still function in a patriarchal society. We still do. But God hasn't given up on us. You know, God's vision for humanity and for our world has never shifted. He's what, he wants us to co-lead together to be his image bearers to the world. So, you know, when we have a quick look at Genesis chapter 2, we get to eavesdrop on what God is thinking out loud and he brings, as he brings his plan to fruition. He placed man in the garden and then suddenly he says for the first time, it's not good. So he says in Genesis 2 verse 18, he says, And the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now this word helper has been taken out of context for generations, for thousands of years, this helper. It was, this word helper is seen as a subordinate role, that the male has got it all together, but let's just, it's not quite okay, so we'll bring this helper in. But in actual fact, the Hebrew word there for helper is Eza, and um, it's a definitely not a subordinate term. In fact, in Psalm 54 verse 4, Here's an example, okay, it's used over 80 times. I'm just going to use an example. It says, Behold, God is my Ezer, my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold me. So this word Ezer is used to explain is to, as a word for God. And so if we use that term helper, that God is our helper, God is our Ezer, that when... God said to a male, it's not good, I'm going to bring an Ezer to you, a helper to you. And you know the other cool thing? Is this word Ezer is used for God in military terms very often in the Old Testament. 
So when you're in a military battle, God would say, I will be your Ezer. I will come in and I will win the battle for you. So we often see women as, you know, like a little bit timid and shy and, you know, girly and whatever. But God sees us like warriors. That in battle, we're to lift up the arms of our men. We're to lift up the arms of people around us and that we are to win the battle. And I love that, the fact that God has got, you know, we're not to be warring against each other, but we're to know there's battles going on, just as Cassie was talking about briefly, that there's battles going on out there and we're to be the easer. We're to be the people that come along and say, this isn't right. We need to fix something here. We need to change something here. And, and that's the picture that I wanted you to get is that this Ezer rolled. So we can see through the Old Testament that God used courageous women such as Hannah, Rahab, Jael. She's one of my favorites. Abigail, Esther, Miriam, Deborah. There's all these incredible women that God uses through different times and different times. A lot of it in battle times, which is very interesting to me. So, but what about the New Testament? You know, because you can say, well, that was the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? You know, we see that when Jesus came along, he made, he was so radical. Jesus was a disruptor. He disrupted society. He did things that were culturally, you know, I've just been to Israel. It was the most incredible time. I had a fabulous time being in the land where Jesus was. But I suddenly got another picture of just how radical Jesus was because their culture, to some extent, the Jewish culture is still very patriarchal. And Jesus came in and he broke down every rule. He hung out with women. You did not hang out with women. In fact, women were viewed as um, property back in those days. So you didn't give them any time of the day. And not only did he have women following him and allow women to support his ministry, he also went and spoke to ethnic people that you didn't hang out with either, and ethnic women. He was was radical. (laughs) He was very radical. So I want you to know that. That, you know, in the... In the Old Testament, oh, sorry, in the New Testament, when the time when Jesus arrived on the planet, um, men men didn't give women any like we we live in a post-Christian um, era, so we understand that women have equal rights. You know, the government's talking about that. Back in those days, women were just property. You could sell them, you could own them, you you do what you like with them. So when we see that Jesus and the Apostle Paul and Peter come into that environment, they're talking, when they talk about honoring wives and caring for and loving your wives as yourself, that's radical. It's radical. So, you know, we need to understand that Christianity changed our world, gave women rights, and we need to be grateful for that. And I am grateful for that. But also, too, we need to not lose that. And so we need to hang on to the fact that. Um, you know, we need to hang on to the truth of the word, and but we need to also understand the word correctly, because you know, Paul in Paul's writings, particularly, they've been used to justify the suppression of women. But you know what, Ben Worthington, that New Testament scholar, says this. He says, "This is what this when this is without biblical justification, and although equally sincere Christians disagree, such disagreement is generally based on emotions, rhetoric." 
church polity and dubious hermeneutics rather than sound exegesis or biblical texts. So the scripture has been taken so out of context. So we need to understand context with the New Testament. And, you know, in um, texts in Philemon, Colossians and Ephesians, you know, all point to um, men having less power and women having equal rights. So if we understand that and we understand those scriptures that we get a little hung up on, when you put them in right context, they, they are normally speaking to specific situations in specific churches and it wasn't meant as a blanket statement for all women for all time. So I had to wrestle with all this. Is it okay for me to be preaching the Word of God? Is it okay for me to stand up here and teach? And the Scripture, when you look at the Scripture, when you understand the Scripture, it is um, totally okay. <laughs> so we have to look at the whole body of evidence. We can't take one Scripture, pluck it out, and make a whole doctrine on it. We've got to look at the whole scripture, the context of it, and then work out what is God actually saying. So we, you know, and praise God, we're part of a great movement that empowers women, but yet we still don't see sufficient women leading. And I think that's a twofold thing. I, I'm actually starting towards my PhD and I'm going to be looking at what are the things that hinder us as women because I think we hinder ourselves as well. Some of it is this imposter syndrome and we feel like we shouldn't be here. The other, another thing is sticky floor. Even though we give an opportunity, we do this, I call it false pride. Oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not okay. I did all that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. You know what? You're not. Just get over it. Because, you know what, when God, and this goes for the guys too, when God asks you to do something, it will be beyond you. Because otherwise, he, God's not needed, is he? So God said, yes, I want you to do something that is beyond you, and you're going to need me to help you. So and as we kind of partner with God, we can do the miraculous if we'll just trust God. So don't get into pride. Guys, often, you know, this is very general, but often I notice guys do the, hey, I'm the man, I'm here, I've come to the rescue, thank God you've got me. Um, that's pride. No, you need God, because God's going to ask you to do something way bigger than you. But girls, we do the opposite. We go, oh, I'm not good enough, I can't possibly do it. Well, no, that's false pride. Get over it. Yes, you're right, you can't do it, but with God, you can. And so let's just make it about him and not make it about us and get about doing what God has asked you to do. Is that good? You know what? In Old Testament time, so, sorry, not Old Testament, I keep going, saying old. In Jesus' time, in the first century, you know, it was, for women, it was a difficult time. You know, women um, had no place in society. You know, in a Jewish synagogue, women... I just went to a Jewish synagogue recently. It was very interesting. It was all male-dominated, and the women were relegated to the back. And so we sat in the back, and I observed, and I thought, could I sit here? And I thought, I don't think I could long-term because everything in me wanted to participate, but yet I was held back. And so that was the life of a Jewish woman. But, you know, for pagan women... Their, their life was the only way they could serve or do anything was in the temples and they were often prostitutes in the temples. So for, for Jewish women, they were excluded. For the pagan women, they were prostitutes. Can you see, you get the picture, but when Christianity comes, 
women are prophesying, they're teaching, they're, um, they're doing all these, the spiritual gifts were poured out on women as well as men. The, the women were invited to prophesy. See, can you see how radical it was? It was radical. So that is Christianity for us, that God has invited both male and female. So, you know, my personal conviction is this, that one day God will ask me to give an account for the gifts that he's given to me. He'll want to know how I've used them. You know, there's no doctrinal position or complex theological argument in the world that can counter the fact that I don't want to be found lacking in the eyes of God. I must use my gifts and I must use my gifts to grow his kingdom. That's what God expects of each of us. He expects it of every single one of us in this room to use our gifts to extend his kingdom. And there is not going to be no excuse. You can't say, well, I was a girl. You can't say that. God will say, yes, I know. I'm not confused by that. <laughs> what did you do with your gift? And you can say, but I'm a blonde, ditzy girl. That was my thing. It's like, you know, I'm blonde and I'm ditzy. God says, yes, I know. I created you that way to confound all those men in your world. <laughs> you know? Do you know what I'm saying? Rise up. Accept that God has called you. Accept that God you know, has created you in his image, that you are there to, to do to do something in this world, I don't know what it is, to fix insecurity, to lead businesses in the way that, in a godly way, what is it that God has asked you to do? And in doing that, you know, then we will bring the kingdom of God to this planet. You know, in Ephesians verse 2 to 10, and just wrapping up, it says this, it says, now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does. The good work he's gotten ready for us to do we'd better be about doing it. So when we're in his presence, you know, I just want to encourage you with this. When we get into God's presence, when we get into God's word, when we get around God's people, we discover who we are, we discover what we're created to do, and then we've got to get about doing it. And I just want to encourage each of you that whatever it is that God has uniquely designed you to do, then just don't let fear, intimidation, don't let being a girl, don't let being what, don't let anything inhibit you from doing what God has created you to do. Rise up, trust God, get on with it, because we need to bring the kingdom of God to this planet, and it's going to require every single one of you to do what He's called you to do. Don't let being a girl, don't let anything, don't let, being, don't let any labels come on you that are going to limit you, whatever that is. Get into the presence of God and then rise up and do what he's asked you to do with fear and trepidation, no doubt. But, but I just want to encourage you, go for it. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. 
follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.